Welcome back to another episode of the Drill to Detail podcast and I'm your host Mark Ripman. And for this episode I'm very pleased to be joined by a friend of the show, uh, Jake Steen, SVP of Stitch. So welcome back Jake and uh, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you Mark, it's great to be back. And, uh, and Jake, for anyone who doesn't know who you are, um, just uh, maybe just explain, uh, just tell us who you are and, um, and what it is that you do within the industry. For sure. Uh, so uh, previously I was co-founder and CEO of Stitch. Uh, Stitch was acquired by Talend uh, about four months ago, uh, and Stitch is uh, a data ingestion product. So we help people get data from lots of different data sources into their cloud data warehouses and data lakes. And prior to Stitch, I was actually the co-founder of a company called RJ Metrics, uh, which is a full-stack business intelligence and data analytics product that included data ingestion, transformation, warehousing, and visualization. And uh, we sold the original RJ Metrics business to Magento, which has since been acquired by Adobe. Um, but Stitch really came out of the RJ Metrics product, where we extracted some of the, the, the data ingestion technology from that product and made it into its standalone, um, into a standalone service, which then spun out as part of the, the original acquisition. Uh, and became Stitch. So when they come to write the history of the uh, the modern analytics stack, um, probably the acquisition of um, RJ Metrics by Magento, and the kind of spin off of uh, of yourselves as Stitch and uh, and then F- and then uh, Fishtown Analytics with DBT, probably one of the most significant dates in that uh, in that history, really. Yeah, it's uh, it's been really fascinating um, to see like the parallel paths of, of Fishtown and Stitch and how that was really informed by our experience at RJ where I think one of the things that we, uh, we learned over time at RJ Metrics was that th- there, was, there was definitely a, a significant market for the kind of product that, that RJ Metrics was, was delivering, where it was an entire integrated package. And um, it really followed kind of the, the original model of ETL, where we were ingesting your data, we were cleaning it up and transforming it, and then we were putting it into the data warehouse and, and you know, kind of had the reporting on top of that. Um, but after working with lots of different customers and, and seeing our own analytics, we saw the the pull from the market and the opportunity, candidly, that was created by these cloud data warehouses, you know, first Redshift and now things like Snowflake and BigQuery and Azure SQL Data Warehouse. And it it really, there, there were two big insights, I think, that came out of that, that, that are really represented in, in Fishtown and Stitch, where one is is that the, um, basically the, the reordering of ETL into ELT, where the extraction and loading potentially makes sense to do before the transformation. So get all the raw data into those cloud data warehouses and then do the transformation uh, in, um, in the warehouse itself. And that's really the reason it makes sense that Stitch exists is because that transformation can be done in the warehouse, where previously it wouldn't make sense to do that in your you know, Netesa or Teradata box. Uh, and then the other piece that I think is really core to Fishtown and, and DBT, the product that they maintain, uh, is is around uh, analytics being a, a subfield of software engineering and all the tools of software development like version control and code reuse and collaboration, uh, all those things really being key to the, the analytics toolkit. And I think that's the, the core insight behind DBT and how Fishtown works. And you know, we've worked together on a lot of different customers um, so yeah, it's, it's been uh, it's, it's been a great uh, you know partnership with them and, and all informed by our um, our shared history. So Stitch was fairly groundbreaking at the time in that you uh, you know you focused on 
on creating this data pipeline as a service for data engineers that, that really did one job well, which was to transform transfer data from different kind of uh, SaaS data sources, all different places, into the data warehouse, uh, ready to be transformed and do that in a reliable and a kind of cost-effective and a easy-to-use way. You know, what, what, what gave you the inspiration for that and what was the uh, and the confidence really to launch it as a product? Yeah, the, um, the, the thing that was really helpful for us is that we got a lot of demand for that product from our customers at RJ, even when that was not our product itself, where one of the other big trends that was happening in the industry is that um, after you know RJ Metrics had been operating for, for a number of years, there was a new generation of competitors that popped up, companies like Looker and Periscope and Mode Analytics and Chartio, where there was a lot of innovation happening on just the front end visualization layer. You know, products like Talent, excuse me, not Talent, uh, Tableau had already existed for a while. Uh, but there was this, this new generation of visualization uh, companies and we were somewhat competitive with them, but we had a lot of customers who were interested in the data ingestion piece of RJ metrics and wanted to use that in combination with, uh, you know, someone like Looker, for example. And for a while, we viewed this as like a little bit of a competitive threat. You know, we, we didn't, we wanted that customer entirely for ourselves. And, after really, you know, going deep with those customers and thinking about, you know, what parts of, of RJ were adding value and, and how we could work with them, we realized that the maybe the, the the most valuable piece of what we were doing was this data ingestion. And the, the other interesting thing is that that problem was actually becoming much more widespread and much more challenging to solve because you, you've probably seen the. Um, you know, those infographics about, you know, the number of different SaaS tools that companies use today. And, you know, it's just exploding. Uh, you know, every year there's a, you know, a doubling or tripling in the number of options out there. And, you know, Stitch, uh, when, when we were, even when we were independent before the acquisition, we were a 33 person company and we had more than 40 different SaaS tools that we used to run the business. And so to get data from all those different things, and you can imagine how that problem explodes at a larger organization. It, it's there's more and more different data sources you need to integrate with, and all of them have varying different kinds of APIs, different uh, reliability of those uh, APIs, and and so more and more companies had more and more data that they needed to consolidate. And, and then the other piece of it is that just the the explosive growth of cloud data warehouses, like you know, if you go back a decade or two, there was a very small percentage of businesses that had a data warehouse, so. The fact that there are tens of thousands of companies using Redshift and that, you know, Snowflake is tripling year over year in terms of, you know, thousands of, of users, that just like explodes the number of people who need help getting all those different data sources into those data warehouses and data lakes. So um, who typically are the people that buy Stitch and use it? You know, who's the c- typical customer persona that you uh, that you um, target the products at? Yeah, so there's... Uh, the, the most common persona of the you know the, the, the user of Stitch is actually an engineer. Uh, and at some organizations, they have the title of data engineer. In some cases, they're just engineers who are responsible for provisioning data. Uh, and the, the next most common user is the, the actual consumer of that data. So that's um, you know, the analysts or the data scientists. And they, you know, Stitch, you can go deep. And, you know, some of the engineers are, you know, contributing to our open source project or, or, or doing, you know, controlling Stitch via our API, but you really can, without writing code, just sign up and, and get started in a couple minutes. 
Uh, and then the the last um, the last use case, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, is folks in kind of like a a project manager or um, or a product capacity. Uh, where they're you know monitoring the success or monitoring the results of something, and this is just feeding into their dashboard. So it's really, in some ways, they're acting as an analyst in that case, just of a um, with with a different job title. So, um, so as well as yourselves, there's obviously in the market there's Fivetran, there's um, Supermetrics, for example, who are more I suppose of a marketers, um, you know, data sourcing company. Um, but what about companies like uh, or products like say Segment? How does uh, how does Stitch compare to to Segment and what they try to do? Uh, yes, so it was. I think we we started with a very different use case and end goal in mind than someone like Segment. Uh, and you know, Segment has since added some features to their product, so that they definitely have some aspects of their product are competitive uh, with Stitch. Uh, but I would say the the majority of how folks use Segment is is more complementary. So if you look at the the evolution of their product, they started solving the problem of you know. Uh, if, you, if you look at the number of JavaScript tags on any given website or SDK is loaded into some mobile app, there's a whole bunch of different things. And really what you want is to take one event and send it to a bunch of different services, which I think is incredibly valuable. Uh, and what the, the use case we started with is that companies are using lots of different products to run their business. Some of it's event data, but a lot of it is, is data that's totally different than what you'd use segment for. Things like accounting information or inventory or the actual ad spend data. Uh, and, and so that's stuff that's you know, totally separate from what you would use a, a segment for. And so what we're, the use case we're trying to solve for is get the data from all the different business systems you use, some of which are internal to the company, some of which are external and hosted in various places in the cloud, and then get that into one consolidated data warehouse or data lake so that you can use it to power analytics and data science. And someone like Segment has added a feature where you can take the data that you're running through Segment and also send it to, uh, you know, Redshift or, or another data warehouse. Um, and, and for that piece, they're competitive with us. But we're again, you know, they kind of backed into that where this is our entire focus from day one. So last time we spoke, um, you told us about the Singer project um, that you uh, you're sponsoring the open sourcing of the connectivity um, that Stitch uses. Yeah, how's that going now? Uh, it's been really fantastic. Yeah, I've um, I, I've been pleasantly surprised. Uh, well, I guess maybe pleasantly affirmed is the uh, is the better thing to say. Just because I think we, it was it was probably the biggest bet we've made in um, in in the lifetime of Stitch. Where this, you know, uh, so for, for anyone who doesn't know, Singer is an open source project where um, we basically take the the portion of Stitch that actually interfaces with the, the external services. So it's, it's made up of two components. There's taps, which pull data from uh, data sources and targets, which send data to destinations. And we have basically been in the process of open sourcing all of our integrations, as well as allowing community members to customize some of the existing integrations that exist or build brand new ones. And some of those we include in Stitch, some of the, you know, all of them you can use totally separate. These are all self-contained programs that you can run on your own or you can run on the Stitch platform. And, you know, we were hoping that we get a lot of community engagement and hoping that a lot of people would get involved and use it and and contribute. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at this spreadsheet right now where we keep a little bit of an inventory and there are uh, 92 community-built uh, integrations in Singer. 
And those are things that, you know, some of which our team contributed to, some of which we've offered feedback on, but this is all stuff built by people who are not employees of, of Stitch uh, or, or Talon now. Uh, and that's been really great because, you know, the, the business problem we have uh, or that we had is that there's always like, you know, lots of companies use MySQL, lots of companies use Salesforce and Google Analytics, but there's very often you know, a handful or, or just one data source that's really specific to this particular business. And it's not going to be on our roadmap. It's probably not going to be on the roadmap of, you know, any ETL vendor. Uh, and so this enables our customers to build new things themselves, or it also gives an opportunity for our system integrators and consulting partners to build out new things and allows, like, one of my favorite examples is um, uh, we actually have a customer that's a chain of go-kart courses. Uh, and uh, there's um, a, uh, a go-kart course management software called Clubspeed. And, uh, you know, we did not have a Clubspeed integration, uh, but they worked with one of our partners. They built out a Clubspeed integration. And now I can confidently say we are the preeminent go-kart course partner for anybody who needs data integration. Uh, and just things like that that are unlocked by enabling anybody to build these integrations. And it's also been really cool that, you know, a lot of this gets used on Stitch, but other companies have also gotten involved. So GitLab is a big contributor to, um, to Singer, and they use it in, in some of their open source projects, uh, something called Meltano. Um, uh, Data.world uh, also built like a desktop Singer runner for folks to just run it from your desktop and make that easier. So it's been really interesting to see people doing it for their own use case, people using it to improve their products, and people just building it because it's a, it's a cool open source project. So yeah, I've been, I've been thrilled with it. So the last time we actually, you know, met in person, talked in person, was the um, was the Look Join conference at uh, San Francisco last year, towards the end of the year. And then, of course, the big news since then was um, that you were acquired by Talent. So, you know, what what was it that what what got you interested in Talent, and what made you, you know, pick up the phone when they rang and um, you know, expressed some interest? Uh, I think the I mean the thing that first got me interested in talking to them is that I. Um, I had met uh, Mike Tukin, the CEO of Talon, years ago, uh, and he reached out to me. And you know, we—I thought he was just a super smart guy, so I'm definitely always interested to, to talk with him. But the thing that got me actually, you know, interested in the conversation and, and continuing it uh, was that there's a, a real like um, alignment of, of vision in terms of where we see the world going, and we each had something that the other one was could, could really gain from uh, and that you know the the whole would be much greater than the sum of the parts and so for from the, the stitch perspective we had always you know envisioned stitch as uh, you know our, our strategy was land and expand where we, we really wanted to provide a very fast frictionless experience you know very fast time to value um, and, you know, let people get up and running in minutes and get value. And then if they like it, they can, you know, do a free trial and, and become a paying customer. And we had that going well. And, you know, we have thousands of customers using Stitch. And one of our big strategic goals was, okay, how do we figure out more products and services? How do we deliver more value to these companies? So, you know, our selfish reason for doing that is, is we want to generate more, more revenue. Uh, and so we were, you know, in the process of doing that and we were staffing up and, you know, we were selling, you know, some larger deals, uh, and, and expanding the use case. And that was something that was already part of our vision and, and a big priority for us. And, and we saw that the companies we were working with, that this was obviously not the only data need they had. And so we just wanted to make sure we want to solve a bigger, bigger part of their problem. 
And talent, on the other hand, I mean, you're absolutely right. The company's been around uh, for, for a while, and their their legacy is in you know they started as uh, an on-prem ETL company, uh, and so so they have been undergoing this really fantastic transformation. However, where they you know several years ago they launched the cloud version of talent. And it's by far their fastest growing product. It's, it's growing at this huge, huge rate year over year. Uh, and they kind of see the future and they want to accelerate that transformation. And they also are looking for the, um, basically the, the way to land new customers in this frictionless way. So when, when Mike first approached me about the acquisition and he said, this is, this is where we're going. This is the transformation we're on. We want to accelerate that end. We, we love your go-to-market model and we want to meld it in with ours. And, and the other piece is that all those, those different things that companies need to do once we ingest their data, it's you know, transformation, it's data quality, it's governance, it's all those different pieces. They've already got all these, these products for that. And so the more I talked to them, the more I got excited about basically doing the things that we wanted to do, just accelerating the, the timetable and doing it on a much bigger stage at a larger organization with bigger budgets. So yeah, it was it's something that I'm still really excited about. And when I heard about the acquisition, um, I thought the timing was, was good because I was increasingly hearing from customers, from the industry, from you know, talking to people that I suppose people's needs and requirements now around data integration and, and uh, I suppose the curation and management of data are getting more, are more kind of demanding. There's more to it now than just kind of landing it and, and transforming it. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this is... Um, yeah. And it's it's so interesting because you know the the conversations I've been able to have with customers before and after the acquisition uh, are so much candidly better now. Um, and, and this this just happened where I um uh, I was at a Snowflake event uh, a couple weeks ago, and I was you know the first half of my presentation was here's Stitch, um, here's how we can help you get your data into Snowflake. This will unlock your ability to do a POC, super fast time to value. It's going to be great. And then, you know, three hands go up and say, this is all great, but I'm at this, you know, multi-billion dollar multinational company. I've got, you know, 10,000 different tables in my database. I'm covered by GDPR and the California um, equivalent. I forget the acronym now. And like, I really need compliance with all these things. And now I'm able to say, yes, uh, we, um, we've got a data catalog that can help you do that, that can both empower your internal analysts and can help you comply with, you know, GDPR, uh, right to be forgotten notices and all those different things. And it's like customers have been, you know, customers have had these problems for, you know, since we started the company before we were just, you know, very careful to say, this isn't a problem that we can solve for you today, but we'd love to hear about it. And maybe we'd refer you to a partner, but now this is this whole, you know, ingest and then integrate and then manage and then govern we see that as an integrated customer journey, uh, and it doesn't necessarily always happen in that order. It's kind of a, a circle where all the pieces lead to all the others. Um, but but yeah, this is um, all these different things that we we were starting to think about in our exploratory product development um, are now something we can just you know go move move headway faster on. In the last episode I, of the show that I recorded with um, with Mike Ferguson, we talked about enterprise analytics, enterprise data warehousing, and. And then we got on to, um, in particular, data governance and um, and master data management. Are they, again, areas that you think maybe are interesting to invest in and maybe work on together with uh, you know, talent? 
So uh, yeah, short answer is yes to both. Um, the the there were definitely folks who would who would ask us for for that sort of thing uh, when we were independent, and we could we could kind of tell a story about that, you know, and you know either refer to someone like Talent or you know let's let's combine Stitch with DBT with a consultant, and and you know we would clean up your data. But I think there's there there are some fundamentally different challenges, which I think. You know, Tristan and the folks at Fishtown would be the first to say DBT is amazing at some things and it's not a solution for something else. Uh, whereas when you have uh, a product that's like built from the ground up for data quality uh, and, you know, the whole, the, the, some of the inherent value prop is that we're going to score the quality of your different data sets and also do the transformations that will clean up the quality and you can track the, the quality improvement over time. Because, you know, there, there's one thing of having like a quote unquote golden record um, but you know, odds are that when you implement it, it won't be perfect. You're going to learn, here's this other rule that we should set up, or here's this, this better deduping or, or whatever you do. So tracking the actual improvement on that over time, I think is, is really key. And so I think with, with something that's purpose built for that, you can really, um, move into a much more nuanced, sophisticated view of how all these different pieces fit together. But I suppose the other side of the coin is, is that you know, master data management and, and enterprise ETL suites is, you know, it's been done before. There are other companies out there doing it. You know, how do you mm-hmm. see Stitch and uh, and, and Talent mm-hmm. really, you know, differentiating themselves in this market? Mm. So uh, th- there's, I think the the question behind the question, if I can uh, guess, is that you know, like how do we how do we take some of the Stitch DNA and infuse that into Talent's products and services? And, and I I I think that there's definitely some concerted effort right now going on to, to see how we can do that in the right ways, but also not, not in every way, because I think there are some, there are some products which like, just for example, I, I think uh, just to, to make up uh, you know, a product customer pairing, I doubt that general electric is going to purchase their data catalog in the same way that a stitch customer tries our Salesforce to redshift integration. Uh, you know, they're not going to, go to the website, download it, do a, a 14 day trial and then swipe it on their credit card. Some things in the same way, they're not going to, you know, buy their new accounting system in a, in a totally frictionless way. Uh, so I, I think there are some products that really make sense as part of that expand motion and some products that make more sense as part of that land motion. And once you, you know, once we have our, our, our have a relationship with a business where they're, using Stitch to load the data, maybe using, uh, so, but I think one area where we are really focusing on, you know, getting some of the best parts of Stitch and infusing it into some of the talent products is with a new product that, that's coming out soon. It's in, um, you know, the early adopter program right, right now called Pipeline Designer, uh, which it's um, basically a totally cloud native experience and it'll, you know, have the, the, the easy to try, easy to buy, very, very great, you know, candidly, you know, a fast time to value. And that's another thing where we can take the best parts of the Stitch experience and, you know, marry that with some of the transformation and quality aspects of, of some of the other talent products. Whereas w- when you're using things like that, then you can, you know, ladder up to something like the data catalog, which is going to be a more enterprise-wide, more highly considered type of, of thing that someone uses. So I suppose now you're getting involved in uh, enterprise uh, enterprise sales and enterprise customers with um, with talent. 
the kind of sources and, and systems you need to integrate with now are going to, I suppose, be changing. You know, you must be encountering um, things like Kafka now, for example, on the list of, uh, of technologies that customers are asking you to, uh, to bring in as data sources. Two different parts of that, I would say. One is, you know, for these organizations, do they need different, like, data sources and destinations? Uh, like, you know, uh, the, the talent customer, you know, needs SAP integration and Stitch doesn't offer SAP integration today. So that's something that, uh, you know, or, or Kafka integration, I think that's a great point. And I think as we do more cross-pollination across Stitch and the talent customer base, I think you're 100% right that one of the things we're thinking about is which integrations were, were not on our roadmap, or at least on the near-term roadmap, that we should add because of, you know, our updated view of who we should be serving. Um, the, the other piece of it is, you know, what are they potentially doing instead? And um, I think that is actually pretty similar where folks are, you know, th- there's the same number of people who are, th- there's always people who are trying to b- roll their own and there's a you know, somewhat different competitive set. But I, I think that element of it is less changed than the making sure we can meet those customers where they are with the, the, the tools and products that they need to integrate with. So now that Stitch are part of Talent, would you ever use or would you continue to use DBT in the future for anything? Oh, sure. And one thing I'll say is that, you know, we at Stitch still use DBT a ton um, for, for our internal analytics. And I think it is uh, a lot of the things that I think are great about Stitch are also great about DBT and that it's really focused on, you know, a particular problem that a lot of people have. And I think it's great at solving that problem. And it's also great that it doesn't try to boil the ocean. Uh, I think that's that's in some ways DBT's strength. And w- one of the things uh, my my colleague uh, Sean uh, came up with this tagline, and I, I love repeating it any chance I can. Where we used to talk about ELT as extract, load, and transform, and now we've kind of broadened our horizon to say ELT is extract, load, and then talent. And so when you need you know all those things as part of an integrated suite. Uh, you know, like transformation and data management and data governance and data quality. Uh, you know, I think uh, DBT is not trying to solve all those problems. And so if you were to try to use it to solve all those problems, you, you would be very disappointed. Um, but if you are very interested in command line, um, SQL-based pushdown transformation, uh, you know, DBT is a, is a phenomenal tool for that. Uh, so I think it's... Uh, I, I totally expect, and I would be shocked if it wasn't the case today, that there are people, you know, organizations that are using talent. That you know, there are people that are also using DBT on different parts of the org. And so, I think it's really based on the persona of the user, based on the job they're trying to do. Um, and and I, I do think that there's probably opportunities to make those things work better together, and then you know, uh, in the same environment to make sure they're orchestrated better. Um, but yeah, I do think there's a place for both. Well, to my mind, really, it's just about understanding the job you're trying to do. You know, is this about is this about you know, an analytic workflow, uh, a data modeling to support some analysis and reporting, or is it more than that? And that's when you need to start thinking beyond, um, I suppose, um, you know, transformation frameworks and uh, and think about uh, ETL tools and data integration suites. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a great point. And and it was interesting. I know you were at uh, Looker Join this year. Uh, they had a session about you know when should you do your, your data modeling and transformation purely in LookML, and when should you move it into your ETL tool? And I, I thought, I actually didn't, I wasn't able to attend the session, but just the fact that they are, are very upfront about the fact that, you know, LookML 
is a great product and it, it enables their their users to, to do a lot of amazing things. And it is not the be all end all solution for uh, you know data transformation. And I think I think you know I have a very similar mentality about DBT where the um, there, there's a whole category of uses that it's great for, but there are certain things that that should be done with a different framework. And you're right, where you know if it's um, you know, and there's there's some cases that you know the data needs to be transformed prior to loading. Uh, and just to, to give you an example, a highly nested data coming out of MongoDB getting loaded into Redshift. Uh, if you were going to denest that data, Redshift has a table and column limit that uh, you could potentially hit, and so you need to transform the data prior to loading in. You know, that's not every case, but there's some cases where. Uh, you know, Stitch would not be a good fit for those customers. Uh, so I, I think there's uh, there's lots of different opportunities where, to your point, uh, you find, you start maybe with one tool and you realize a different framework is necessary to solve your your evolving problem. So um, you know, looking to the future and looking you know going forward, what, what's your vision around this kind of area? What problems do you still see that need to be solved um, from customers? And what's the what's what's Stitch's roadmap really going forward in the in the kind of near future? Uh, I think about the goals in a couple big categories. Um, there's you know just growing Stitch. You know we're we've got some aggressive uh, you know customer acquisition uh, goals that we're focused on in, in 2019 and beyond. So there's a lot of things we're going to do to to make the product better and and, and attract more folks. Um, there's uh, there's also things around the the joint user experience. So making sure that it feels natural to a customer that they would start with Stitch and, you know, add on additional talent um, products. And, and, and thinking about that in a way where we really don't want to, don't, I don't want to compromise the things that made Stitch great, um, but I want to think about how, when is the right time and when is the right point in the customer's journey to you know, offer them the opportunity to do something more. So it's not, you know, we don't want to get in their way when they're starting, but once they've had success with, you know, replicating data source X uh, into their destination, you know, they're probably the right time to think about, you know, should you be transforming it? Should you be, uh, you know, adding this to, to your GDPR compliance uh, uh, process? Um, and so there's the, how do you be thoughtful around, you know, helping people solve more problems? And then also, how do you just make sure the user experience is cohesive? So it's things like you know, single sign-on and having a similar look and feel, and enabling people to to you know pay for multiple products one bill. Like that's all stuff that that we want to tackle. That's that's kind of just a table stick. What about another another related area, um, data quality? What's your thoughts on on that, and any ideas you've got around products and again, you know, problems that you'd like to be able to solve? Yeah. So I, I there's there's two categories of things where I think we can make uh, a really big difference. I mean, it's, it's a very big problem, but I'll, 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 mention, I'll mention two right now. Um, one is just uh, taking, you know, the vast majority of data sets, I don't think there is actually any data quality consideration. You know, people, uh, there's some stats from IDC that it was, it was something like 55% of data within organizations is unaccessible. And of the 45% that is accessible, 47% of it is unreliable. Um, so it's, you know, less than 25% that overall is, you know, available and trustworthy. Uh, and so making sure that people can access it 
um, quickly, you know, with speed, and then that they can trust it um, when, when when they've got it. That's a big, you know, theme for town: speed and trust together. So, the um, I think just surfacing the fact that these different data sets exist and that they need to have some thought and grading and you know work done on their quality, I think is is step number one. Just making sure and, and including that in the catalog itself because that metadata about whether or not you know that the data exists and that the data has been cleaned up that had the, the that it has been governed that's a really core piece and then so one piece is kind of like that rising tide that should lift all the boats and then there's a lot of work that can go on in these different areas that are is like very domain specific and so you could you could think about um, you know a simple example that's really you know common is addresses uh, Lots of different companies have address data. There's, you know, it's a perennial problem that, you know, uh, I, I live in Pennsylvania. Someone could spell it PA, it could be lowercase a, it could be um, pen, you know, all these different things. Uh, and so helping people in, you know, that, that uh, and, and, you know, I, I, there are several town products that like ship with, this is how you clean up addresses. And so there's a whole bunch of domains where you can take advantage of, both things that are built into the product and commercial databases of enrichment sources, as well as open source uh, libraries for, for cleaning up different data sets. So I think it's it's kind of this continuous process of servicing quality as a concern across more and more data sets, and then giving people the tools to you know get a lot of the value with a minimal amount of effort. And then at some point for everything, you need to go very specific to each business and use case, and ultimately someone needs to be writing code. Um, but I, I think you can get a lot of the value by giving the right prompt to the right people at the right time and surfacing the right tools that'll help them, you know, get a lot of the way there. Okay. Okay. So um, tell us a bit about talent. I mean, probably actually a lot of people, a lot of the, most of the audience probably uh, be less than familiar with talent. Um Tell us a bit about who they are and, and the philosophy behind what they do and, and, and how they work. Sure. Yeah. Talend um, started uh, in France. So you, you read about that. And they still have a very large presence uh, in France. They're now headquartered uh, in Redwood Shores, California. And, and they're really like a worldwide organization. There's folks in California and France and Germany and China, um, lots of different places all over the world. Uh, and it, it's been, you know, really uh, fantastic for me, uh, you know, getting to know the folks, you know, I went to the, the talent sales kickoff, uh, in January and, you know, had lunch from, uh, you know, with a couple guys from the Japan team, uh, and, you know, uh, got drinks later with some folks from the Australia team. So it's, it's people, it's, it's a very international business. Uh, and the, one of the things that I've been really fascinated by is that they, they are able to, to keep, I think a really great consistent culture around all those different offices and around all those geographies. And, and I think part of the, the way they've been able to do it is that the company was, was international from day one. And so they, you know, are great about, you know, things like working remotely. They're great about, you know, kind of taking the interesting parts from all these different cultures that they have. And they've also got customers in, in all over the world. So when we're thinking about, okay, let's do the, the customer advisory board, we have all these different diverse viewpoints and backgrounds represented, which I think makes it just a more interesting place to be. Uh, and also uh, helps us get to, to better answers faster, which is a lot of fun. 
Yes, yeah, so that um, that international aspect must be uh, interesting and, and quite refreshing. Um, I also understand they do quite a lot bit with um, with open source as well. There's quite a lot of open source sponsorship and, and open sourcing of the products that they uh, that they offer. So yeah, this this is another reason why I, I was confident that Talon was a really good fit for Stitch. Um, so they're um, the, the, the talent from literally from day one, the core of their product has been open source. So you can go download Talon Open Studio uh, today, and a tremendous number of people do that every month. Uh, and you know there there are you know commercial modules and add-ons that that you, you can use, and they sell, and that's their their business, which is very large. Um, but they. You know the fact that we were, you know, had just had committed ourselves to open source, and that it's a really core part of our strategy. You know, when I thought about the idea of, you know, potentially selling Stitch, like I, I was concerned that, you know, that that element of it that that they get it and that they value it, and not not I didn't want it to be something that they just like tolerated. I wanted it to be something that they were like, cool, we see the business value of this, and we're excited about continuing it because. This is how we'll make more money, uh, and and the fact that this is in their DNA and they, they've done this from from day one, I think has been great. And they also we, we've been able to learn a lot from them in terms of how you think about that as part of the strategy, how you can potentially increase engagement. They have this amazing thriving community where it just you know a huge number of people are asking questions, answering each other's questions, and it's you know it's a great feeder for the business, and it's also just an awesome thing for the world that all these people get to use this product, many of which. You know, might not be customers anyway. Um, so yeah, it's a really, really big part of their business. So what does um, so what does Stitch being acquired by Talend um, mean for Stitch customers? Uh, yeah. So uh, in in the very short term, nothing has to change for Stitch users. You know, they, they continue to use the product. Um, they the things they liked about Stitch will remain the things they liked about Stitch. You know, uh, for, I'm really proud of the fact that. You know, 100% of our team got offers in the acquisition, and 100% of our team has stayed through. Uh, so the same folks that they liked working with on our support team are still there, and and we're. I mean, the the thing that they should be excited about is that we're growing the team much faster than before, and so that means you know more engineers making the product great, more support folks um, helping them out, uh, and, and so there's. Uh, the, the pace of investment in Stitch is uh, is increasing, which I think will will show up in um, more benefits for them over time. And the the piece that I mentioned before around giving them the opportunity to solve more aspects of their data challenges with Stitch is something that I'm I'm really excited about, and I think they will be too. So uh, one last thing, actually, while you're while you're while you're here, um, I noticed that there was some changes on your website about pricing for uh, for Stitch and uh, to do with overages and, and making it more, I suppose, predictable pricing. And what's that, what's that all about, really? Sure. Uh, and this was in the works uh, from well before the uh, we were thinking about the Talon deal. Uh, so the, the way that Stitch pricing used to work was that there were two components to it. We had um, these subscription tiers that you would sign on to that gave you um, different things at different levels, but one of the biggest levers was data volume. And once, uh, if you went over the limits of your tier, we would basically charge you these incremental overage fees. And it, you know, when we originally designed our pricing, the the, re- the rationale behind those overages was that there are you know pretty big gaps in between these different tiers. So let's give you the ability to pay incremental amounts on those in between those tiers. Um, 
the it, it, it did solve that problem, but it created a lot of uncertainty for our customers. Uh, that they and, and we got you know a lot of good feedback. I thought from those customers that this was just hard for them to figure out. It was hard to budget for. It was hard to forecast, and it just it like it made it almost like this like Stitch solved all these problems for them, but it created this other job of and so. We, we, we heard a lot of that feedback, we thought about it, and we think a better way to solve that smoothing between usage levels is just to create some more fine grain plans in between those two. So what we've done is we, we rolled out new pricing that um, you know if, if you add up at various price points what you were paying with the overages plus the subscriptions before, it's about the same as the new subscriptions now. It's just there's a whole lot more levels. So the average just customer's bill is going to stay about the same. It's really just about having more predictability and having, you know, smaller jumps in between those plans and also just uh, having a little more peace of mind that you know that you signed up for this and then your price is going to be exactly this. Okay, fantastic, fantastic. So how would somebody find out more about Stitch? And yeah, so the, <laughs> uh, the easiest thing to do is just uh, go to stitchdata.com. Uh, there's a big button to sign up where so you can just try out the product um, for, for no cost at all in an unlimited two-week trial. Uh, and um, talon.com is their website, and we'll have more you know, cohesion between those two things over time. Uh, but those are the two main websites. And uh, I also highly recommend following us on Twitter. It's, it's stitch underscore data. Uh, and uh, my coworker, Mark, is extremely snarky and sarcastic, and I think everybody will enjoy it. And on your uh, on your blog recently, you wrote about um, yeah, your vision going forward and, and how you saw things in the industry. So we'll, um, we'll link to that on the, on the show notes as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So stitchdata.com slash blog. And, and I appreciate you linking to that specific post. And, and that's where we do a lot of our thinking out loud about it. And you can also follow me on Twitter. I'm just at Jake Stein. Fantastic. Well, Jake, it's been excellent speaking to you. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, it's been great having you back on the show and best of luck with, uh, with the acquisition and, and working within the sort of talent world. And uh, yeah, it's been great to catch up with you. Likewise, Mark. Always a pleasure. I appreciate it.